0: Last but certainly not least, uh, from soon to be the world's biggest country, uh, Abhishek Sen, who was a her fellow here a couple of years ago, is uh, a, a prize-winning TV journalist, who works for uh, CNN IBN. Uh, in the northeast of India, uh, you know the You know the score? How would you score it? Well, it's very difficult to sort of, it's a very complex question for me to answer. I would like to believe that uh, in India, it doesn't course and simplify or distort politics. But why it's difficult to answer is because there are 94,000 publications in India. Oh, yeah. It's the world's largest <laughs> newspaper market. Yeah. 850 television channels, out of which more than 400 news and current affairs television channels, 300 FM radio stations. So it's as diverse as it gets. So to actually pinpoint and say who is actually being true to journalism is very difficult. At the same time, what is really worrying is that I think journalism ownership that's coarsening, simplifying, and distorting politics and that ownership game is being played out at a a very complex level. It's a game that is being played out between various corporations, politicians and also unfortunately journalists are also in this. And to contradict myself, at the same time there is a lot of good journalism that is happening and that good journalism is also exposing such corruption so it's very difficult to position myself if you're talking about new journalism that won't be any better i think it's too early to say about india because the reach of new journalism the way we are talking about new journalism here in oxford in india it's very very different not that to say that people are not into new journalism there is there are websites which are good websites and which which would do their own bit but uh, Unfortunately, there is uh, this aspect of journalism ownership which is casting its shadow on the journalism which is happening in India. How how in India would you... What would you do to make the media that were accurate and truthful stand out against the great noise and and screaming that's going on? There is a lot of accuracy. There is a lot of truthfulness also, but to just... To, that stands out all the time. If you're asking me, that how the, how does it sort of counter what's happening? The ownership is that is that what you're asking me? Yes. Well, it depends also on the top editorial. How much how much self censorship an editor would impose on herself or himself? How much of a distance an editor would make from the corporate ownership? And to sort of go back to the basic question of uh, a thin line between editorial and management so that thin line just doesn't exist anymore to a large extent and I think that's playing havoc with the way at least some of the big television (coughs) channels some of the big newspapers are functioning it's also cutting into reporting budgets it's also completely erasing specialization so if there's a a journalist who has some kind of a specialization who's been working on a certain beat or a certain region. That journalist, it, 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 it's easy for an organization to say that, OK, fine, we don't need him because he costs us a lot of money. It's better to get someone with a lot of more energy who wouldn't question what we are doing and just do what needs to be done. Anijit, um, you talked about reputable good journalism that is exposing corruption. Is there reputable good journalism that is challenging nationalism and the jingoistic tone of a lot of India's public discourse? That's a very good question. That's a very good question because that uh, there's the Indian Parliamentary Standing Committee. It came out with a report in 2013, May 2013, in which it uh, pointed out to the Gujarat elections of 2012 and it was found out that There were instances, there were 126 cases in which politicians actually influenced the media, and out of which 61 cases were proven, and at least uh, the politicians uh, agreed that they were in part uh, part of it. So, paid news is one aspect which is integral to what you call jingoism, media jingoism, especially the divide coming up uh, more in the open with elections coming up in India, Generally, elections coming up in India. So that's, that's something which, uh, which uh, unfortunately, in, in bits and parts, depends on certain papers which are countering it. But uh, it is something which is, uh, which, which is a case of uh, huge concern, if that answers your question. Um, I'm trying to get a sense of the scale of what you call the problem of journalism and ownership in this country if you were told foreigners, it would be very easy to talk about that, you'd talk about presumably the Murdoch press, but could you give an example of some egregious and excessive instance of what you're talking about? In excessive instances of uh, journalism ownership actually yeah. influencing yes. the news. Uh, it's, it, it, it comes in the form of editorializing news, it comes in the form of when you're covering politics or it comes in the form of when you're sort of how much would you push a story so if there is a say 2G scam which is a second-generation mobile using usage license scam which happened in India in which a lot of corporates were involved in which a lot of journalists were involved in which a lot of politicians were involved that story just didn't come out in the open be it in a television channel or be it in a newspaper till a new magazine called the open magazine they started bringing out the tapes of conversation, taped conversations between the people who were involved in it. And so, uh, when such stories do not come out in the open, there is, it's almost like, to put it uh, very crudely, it's almost like a union of thieves, Hmm. that we don't talk about this. So the newspaper doesn't say anything, reputable newspapers don't say anything, television channels don't say anything, and then suddenly there's one magazine which comes up with the story, and then you start following it up that okay, fine, we have to do it because if we don't do it, it's a story of immense proportion. And if you don't do it, then of course our so-called reputation is at stake. So that's how it's happening. But it only took one. Uh, yeah, it takes one. It takes yeah. one. But it's very difficult to get that one nowadays, especially in India. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that there are not good journalists, I'm not saying that there are not fearless editors. But what I'm trying to say is that handful of people who are close to power, who are close to the politicians, so that group is calling the shots. There's nothing further? I think just if I can come back to the the jingo or something, I was also thinking about the sort of very strident nationalist tone towards Pakistan, for example. Right. Whether there are people in the media that are willing to challenge that. Yes. I mean... So there are television channels which would sort of embrace what is known as the Fox journalism. Right. So they would, if, if editors had their way, some editors, they would probably sort of go and attack Pakistan at uh, the drop of a hat. So that's something also very, it's, it's very scary, how a lot of people actually buy into it and buy into it so easily. And so viewership ratings, if you look into it, there are actually a lot of people who would buy that argument not even <laughs> thinking twice what a war would actually entail I, I mean it seems to me extraordinary that in fact Pakistan has exhibited more strategic patience than in India mm-hmm. quite, I mean you know these, are se- these sentences about Pakistan politics yeah. uh, and that feels to me very worrying yeah it is worrying it is definitely worrying but I mean there are other aspects of the media as well there are there, there are there are newspapers and as well as there are television channels who would at least when it comes to say India Pakistan they would try and sort of uh, be more sensible and be more restrained Very good, thank you thank you